Welcome to Pushback. I'm Aaron Maté. There is a major new update in the case of Harry Dunn. Harry was a 19-year-old British teenager who was killed in a road collision outside of a U.S. military base in Britain in August 2019. The driver of the car that killed Harry is named Anne Sekoulis, and shortly after Harry Dunn's death, she fled the country. Harry Dunn's family has been fighting for justice ever since, but have run into a series of obstacles. The U.S. government claimed that Anne Sekoulis has diplomatic immunity because her husband, Jonathan, worked at that base as a U.S. government employee. But since then, a series of revelations have cast doubt on that claim. Reports have surfaced that Ansikoulis was in fact an agent with the CIA. And just recently in court, there has been a major admission that bolsters those suspicions. Well, joining me now is Rad Seeger. He is a spokesperson for Harry Dunn's family. Rad, welcome back to Pushback. Thanks for having me, Aaron. So what has happened? What was just admitted in court? So a, a couple of days ago, uh, there was a court hearing in the Eastern Di District of Virginia where uh, Harry's parents are bringing a civil claim for wrongful death against Mrs. Sekoulis, where um, her, um, her lawyers were bringing a motion to dismiss the parents' um, claim. And in the opening minutes of that hearing, the judge, Judge Ellis, started asking questions of Mrs. Sekoulis' attorney. And one of those questions was, you know, why she fled? Who was she? Was she working at the time? And as I said, within the first few minutes, her attorney uh, shockingly um, had to admit that not only was Mrs. Sekoulis not just a dependent of Jonathan Sekoulis, but she was working for, I think his words were, the United States uh, intelligence agencies at the time of the crash. So that was the first time this has been admitted. There's been speculation before about her status with the CIA, but this is the first time it's been acknowledged, right? That's right. And you, you know, you'll be aware that, you know, it's, 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 it's very rare that, that the authorities talk about um, the, the status of State Department employees publicly. Um, it certainly never happens in the UK. And we've been asking that question ever since Harry died. And as you say, there's been speculation on, both sides of the Atlantic as to whether or not she did. So to hear those words in open court from her own lawyer was truly shocking because it potentially has serious implications on her claim for diplomatic immunity. We'll talk more about that. So if you're a diplomat, you have diplomatic immunity. It gets a little bit murky, though, when it comes to intelligence operatives. So what could this mean in terms of her actual protection under diplomatic immunity norms. Yeah, so it's important to explain that uh, th th this group of American nationals who work at this um, air base about two miles away from where I live in England um, are not diplomats. So you and I would think of diplomats as people who work at embassies and do diplomatic work. These are what are called administrative and technical officers of the State Department. and. As part of the arrangement for them working overseas, um, some of them can lay claim to diplomatic immunity. And that's what the situation was, we thought, with um, Mrs. Sekoulis's husband, Jonathan. So when they came over in the summer of 2019, he was 
formally registered as an administrative and technical officer at RAF Crowton. And as part of that arrangement, um, his family, his dependents also have the benefit of diplomatic immunity. And so all this time, we thought that Anne Sekouis herself was a dependent, but as also as part of the arrangements and the, the United Kingdom government required that these people um, had their diplomatic immunity pre-waived before they arrived so that if they broke our laws here in England, that they would um, be subject to our jurisdiction and be prosecuted if they broke the laws. So John, had Jonathan killed Harry that night, the husband, he would have been prosecuted. But that was not um, put in place for the dependents. It was a drafting error back in the 90s. Um, the intention was to have family members and employees um, standing trial if they broke the law. But there was an anomaly. The word dependent was left off of that agreement. And that's why Mrs. Sekoulis was allowed to leave in 2019, because waivers of immunity have to be expressed. And, that, and because the word dependent wasn't in the agreement, it didn't, you know, this, this waiver of immunity didn't apply to her, and that's why they whisked her away. So the importance of this development this week is that seemingly, if she was working at the time, she's not a dependent, she is an employee, and therefore comes under the, into the same category of people as her husband, Jonathan, whose immunity, you know, as I say, was pre-waived before they arrived. And from what her lawyer said in court, is it also possible that her husband, Jonathan himself, was also an intelligence operative as well? Yeah, that's no doubt. That's already on the record. He was here um, and registered here as as a, a CIA officer. That That's an open, open um, secret now. And what it, but 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 what came out this week was that his wife Anne Sekoulis, who did kill Harry that night, was also working. And 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 the unbelievable thing is, the the British government um, have admitted this week that they were completely unaware that Mrs. Sekoulis was working here for the CIA undercover. They were completely unaware of that. Do you believe that? Uh, you know, look, I, you know, I would love to be able to tell you, um, Aaron, that I, I, I walk through the corridors of power every day and I, and I, I can see into their minds. Uh, you know, I, I, I do happen to believe it because, I mean, there are many hundreds, if not thousands, of American nationals working here in the United Kingdom. I don't believe for a single second that the government knows what every single one of these people do. And I, I, nobody's suggesting that Mrs. Akulis was working in this country against us or spying on us. I, you know, I think we all would like to believe that she was doing good work, keeping you and I safe. So that isn't so much the issue. It's just the, it's just, uh, you know, the claim is that they were, the government were, were completely unaware, which I guess gives rise to a whole bunch of different questions about, you know, how many Americans are here spying um, without, the consent of the British public or the knowledge of the British government. Do you feel as if the U.S. government has lied to the Harry Dunn family? You, you've met with U.S. officials personally. Have they said things about Ansacoulis that, based on this court admission, can be shown to be demonstrably false? Well, uh, what, what's clear now, Aaron, is that um, they weren't completely truthful with the British government when the Sekoulis 
family flew over um, to the United Kingdom in the summer of 2019 because they declared Mrs. Sakulis as a dependent. And they did not declare her as one of the CIA officers who, who was working here. Now, we met with President Trump in um, October 2019, the parents and I, and none of this was revealed to us at the time. And, you know, truth and candor is really important when you're fighting for justice. And when you don't feel you get it, you don't trust. And that's why, you know, the parents feel so aggrieved because just to remind you, Aaron, you know, these parents are not after vengeance or retribution for the loss of their son. What they're after is accountability and, um, you know, standing up for the rule of law. And I think all right-minded and reasonable people, you know, agree that that's the right thing to do. And, you know, in this country, you know, our, 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 our legal system is very fair. Um, Often the complaint is that um, our sentencing is too lenient. And, you know, it's really deeply upsetting to the parents that Mrs. Sakulis felt that she could leave three, you know, less than three weeks after she killed Harry and just abandoning this family. I mean, you know, we don't know whether she agreed to leave or whether she was forced to leave. It doesn't really matter. It, the whole thing is so wrong. And you know, we get more messages each week from um, people in America supporting this campaign than we do from anywhere else in the world. So this isn't a, a Britain versus America thing. This is, you know, it's, it's absolutely insane. And just, you know, we were having that, you know, detailed conversation about diplomatic immunity. It's also important to remind people that even if Mrs. Sakulis had diplomatic immunity, this is not it is not to be used in these circumstances and the vienna uh, convention on diplomatic relations which you know from the 60s which governs diplomatic immunity makes it absolutely clear that that these people should abide by and respect the laws of their host nation and you know we all know that you know if you get posted to a hotspot country where potentially you or your family could be kidnapped or put in jail for no good reason, countries where there isn't the rule of law, we'd all be very grateful to have that diplomatic immunity card. It is specifically not to be used in these circumstances, in, a, in an allied country, a friendly nation, where you make a mistake, but we have laws against bad driving. And you know she, she should, under that convention, be facing up to the consequences of her actions. So the really worrying thing about this is the United States, which claims to be the leader of the free world, the, you know, the moral guardian of the world, often runs around the world telling other people how to behave and to respect human rights. You know, they've lost all moral standing in this case. The whole world is looking at this, you know, aghast and wondering why on earth the American government would would treat this family, totally innocent family, let's not forget, with such barbaric cruelty. And it isn't too much to ask Mrs. Sikoulis and the U.S. government to say, no, just stay, you know, face up to the consequences of your action. We know you didn't intend to kill Harry, but you are charged with dangerous driving. You did kill him. And, you know, Aaron, let's just imagine for a single second that if I were a British diplomat coming to New York or Washington, and I drove down the wrong side of the road for a mile and killed, you know, a member of your community, a child, and the British government recalled me, 
you know, the American nation will be up in arms. And that's why we have so much support in America. And it's just an absolute head scratcher. We just do not understand why this is even happening. So uh, in many ways, I think the argument around whether she had diplomatic immunity or not is, uh, I think, a redundant argument. We shouldn't even be looking at that because we know if this were a British diplomat in Washington or New York, immunity would be waived immediately without question. And that's happened 13 times um, since 1999. Mm. So Britain's policy, if, if this had been a Britain, you know, there's no question what would have happened. And the ruthless conduct, without even thinking about this poor family and their need for closure and justice, if it, maybe a, yeah, a different country around the world did it, maybe we'd all understand it. But the great United States of America, it is inconceivable. And, you know, we had all thought that maybe this was just President Trump being President Trump. That doesn't appear to be the case because, um, sadly, last week, um, the State Department, the new State Department spokesman, Ned Price, appointed by Joe Biden, uh, reaffirmed that decision. As part of the family's ordeal, there was that meeting with President Trump at the White House that you mentioned. Let me ask you to talk more about that because it's a pretty extraordinary story. You discussed it the last time we spoke on pushback about a year ago, but it's very bizarre. So the family came to the White House. You were there met with President Trump, and then he told them that Ansakoulis was actually in the next room waiting to apologize to them? All right, you know, if, if you've got a little bit of time, I just, just to give the context and to remind people again, you know, we didn't go to Washington initially. We went to New York to just um, see if we could drum up some support from the American people. And as soon as we landed, we were very fortunate. The media... Um, you know, started looking after us. And I think we did a press conference on the first day we were there. And it, apparently the White House saw that press conference in New York and the very next day called me and asked us to go down to the White House to meet with President Trump. So, you know, we didn't set off to meet President Trump. And we were obviously thrilled that we made an impact when we arrived in New York, so much so that we got invited to the White House. And I'm told by, by various people I've met since that, you know, that doesn't happen very often. And so we clearly made a huge impact. But when we got there, I thought we were going down to talk about an amicable resolution, which is all we wanted. Um, but this was about seven weeks after Harry died, Aaron. And, uh, uh, you know, the four parents um, came, came to the meeting. But as you can imagine, they were still in a state of shock. They're not global travelers. They're certainly not used to being in um, the spotlight in loud, noisy New York. And it was very stressful. So, you know, imagine, you know, these four Britons going to the White House. And that was intimidating for me as an American. I've been once as a child on, a, on one of those tours that they used to do. But I've never been to the Oval Office to meet the president. And I was intimidated. So when we got there, you know, initially he was very charming and welcoming, but within about two or three minutes, um, he said, okay, let's get down to business. I've, I've got Mrs. I've got the woman, the lady, right in the next room and she wants to meet you. And Aaron, it was one of those moments that I, you know, I, 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 was, I was sitting on one of those sofas that you see in the um, Oval Office. The parents were sitting opposite me, but there were, you know, the big Secret Service people were 
right beside me, uh, there were various people in the room, Steven Mnuchin, um, Robert O'Brien, the then National Security Advisor, uh, Mick Mulvaney, the Chief of Staff, and the room was full. And it was very intimidating. And, you know, in that split moment, I knew the parents were ready for this. They're, you know, and certainly if you're going to meet the person who took your son's life, you know, you might do it um, maybe after the criminal process is complete with therapists around, certainly mediators involved to support the parties in the Oval Office would be the last place that I would let anybody that I represent meet the person who took their life with the world's media watching. So I, somehow I summoned up the courage to say to President Trump, who was sitting about two feet away from me, I just said, no, that's not why we're here. We're not doing this today. And, uh, you know, we all know who he is. He was very, very forceful. And he, you know, three or four times he tried to persuade us to go through with this. And we just said, no. And I said, if we're going to do it, we'll do it back on UK soil after the trial. And that's when Robert O'Brien started getting very nasty with us and saying she's never going back. And it all descended into farce from there. Um, and all the time, Aaron, I'm looking at these four Britons sitting opposite me. They'd never even been to Washington, let alone the Oval Office, let alone meeting President Trump, just looking like rabbits in the headlight. They didn't know what was going on. And so I, at that point, I just shut the meeting down. I said, look, we better go. So I get you, know, we were there for about half an hour, 45 minutes altogether. But I, again, I just, one of those, and I think we all know the story now, you know, why would you take a grieving set of parents who had lost their son just weeks earlier, invite them down to the White House to meet, and, and to not give any advance notice. If, they, if he had said to me, or if his officials had said to me, look, you're in New York, why don't you come down? We've got Mrs. Sakulis here as well. Why don't you take the opportunity to, to have a discussion? Um, we'll keep the media away and let's see what can come of it. You know, we could have considered that and maybe given informed consent or not. But to just say, come down and meet President Trump. And then, uh, you know, Aaron, it still upsets me, you know, all this, you know, what is it, 17, 18 months ago, I, you know, I still find it very upsetting to tell that story because for me as an American, that should have been the proudest day of my life. I don't know how many Americans actually get to the Oval Office, let alone meet a president of the United States. I, that should have been the finest day of my life because um, I am a proud American. Um, but it was, it was the most depressing day of my life and I couldn't wait to get out of there. And, you know, I, it's, uh, I can tell it's, it's still upsetting to me to this day. Unbelievable. They uh, tried to ambush you with a media stunt um, just also, so that was just a few months after Harry died, right? This was in a August. few weeks, a few weeks, a few weeks, a few weeks. Um, so let me ask you finally where this goes from here. You have a criminal proceeding going on in the UK and a civil case in Virginia where this admission by Sekulis' attorney was made. What happens next? So look, we are, the, the, the parents are wonderful, decent people. They want a resolution to this uh, you know, as soon as possible. Uh, on the criminal case, our, our, our Crown Prosecution Service, the, the, the prosecuting authority, remain intent on, on securing Mrs. Sekoulis' return to come back to face trial. We, we know that um, she, Mrs. Sekoulis herself has put out a statement that she wants to find a way forward and she would welcome the prosecuting authority you know, getting in touch with her. So that bodes well, because we all know that dialogue is a good thing. So if 
we can find a way forward to make this um, trial happen, I think it'll benefit both families, Aaron. And we know that Mrs. Sakulis is a victim in this as well. You know, she, she saw something horrible that night. We know she didn't intend it. Two of her kids were in the car as well. And, you know, we, we treat her as a victim as well. I don't know how she looks at herself in the mirror every, every day, knowing that she walked away from this calamity, this catastrophe. And I think it will be her road to redemption as well. If she were to come back, face up to the consequences of her actions and do the right thing. And as I said, you know, she will get a fair trial. We have a very lenient um, sentencing system here. And, uh, you know, look, we just continue to appeal. Um, so there's lots of dialogue going on both in London and, and Washington to hopefully make that happen, Aaron. And we remain very, very confident that that will happen. On the civil side, you know, that, that, that claim will be determined um, in the next few days, as I understand that Judge Ellis has gone away to think about um, his decision. And the parents obviously um, hope that they can, um, you know, get a lot of disclosure through that process. There will be depositions. You know, they, they don't even know what happened to Harry that night. After all this time, they still have not been made aware of Harry's last few hours. So imagine, you know, the pain that they go through. So we hope that, you know, we don't like to resort to legal proceedings, but that's all we have left, given that, you know, she left about three weeks after um, the trial. So I think in, in, in summary, you know, the parents are suffering you know, more now than they ever have, understandably, after all this time. But we, re we, we remain positive and always respectful of both governments because we know these are difficult uh, times for both of them with the pandemic. But, you know, this has to be resolved. It can't be left as it is. So, you know, we'll keep going and we take it a day at a time. Rad Seeger, spokesperson for Harry Dunn's family. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.